0: There is nobody out there who hasn't felt lonely. We, we know that. That's part of the human condition. But did we know that this generation of kids coming of age right now, young adults and teenagers, is reportedly, at least, the loneliest generation since we've been measuring these things? That's what the data show, but we don't know why. That's what we'll try and figure out in today's show.
1: Welcome back to Shrinking It Down: Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bresson. and I'm Steve Schlossman. So, Steve, since we typically begin this way,
0: um, what's been what's been happening in the last in the last week for you? Um, so, literally today, I solved an age-old philosophical question. Solipsism? Uh, no, no, not that one. That's still unsolved, That's unsolved. at least to my knowledge. Uh, I was walking. You're going to guess. You're going to figure this out. I was got up early. It was still dark, but I had to get the dogs out. Wandered into the woods, which are kind of like a bit of a drive from my house. And what made a noise? A tree falling yes, down. Yes, a tree actually <laughs> fell down, and it made a noise. I was there. So I guess it didn't really solve it, it because solve somebody was there to hear it. Well, that's that's
1: right. right. That the question is, what if you weren't there? Well,
0: I, I can tell you it scared the heck out of me when it did, but my poor dog, like, heard this crash <laughs> and turned around and sprinted, like, out of the woods well, all
1: the way back to the car and just sat there. But you see, your dog like, has move. good survival instincts, and you
0: don't. What? Trees fall down in the woods. Yeah, and they hit let, people. Well, it didn't hit this person. But, yeah, uh, thank goodness. Did, and it didn't hit anybody else. And then I got the dog to go back out. But I did it did <clears> occur <throat> to me that um, this was a philosophical moment. But you're right, you're right. I wasn't not there. And and for the benefit of
1: the audience, for folks who don't know, solipsism is the argument that I'm the only creature, the only per the only individual that exists in the universe. That and, one cannot be solved. And that ha- cannot be solved because By I could definition. just say everything that I see around me is my own imagination and I've concocted everything and it's been tried. That's they, the they, evil they've tried genie. This, they've that's tried Descartes.
0: It, that's the matrix. It's the whole right, thing. It's the yeah. matrix. That's right. Yeah. So yeah.
1: It's, it's it's still unproven. I, I don't know how we'll
0: get to prove that. Well, how did Descartes prove
1: it? Oh, cogito ergo sum. But that's yeah. the meaning of existence. What, are going to
0: translate that? That means I think, therefore I am. Yeah, so he said... What really matters is the fact that I can think. He wasn't necessarily saying it undoes the argument. He was just saying that because I can think and other people can think, I can go on with my existence. But it doesn't
1: prove that I exist. He,
0: but what he was saying is that we need not prove it as long as we okay. can have and independent And, you know, my thought. favorite
1: psychiatrist, D.W. Winnicott, said that we know our existence because, you know, when I, when I am seen therefore I am known, therefore I exist. Right. So he defines our kind of appreciation of existence as being seen... Perceived by the other. And perceived by the other. Yeah. It's kind of like Boober's I, Thou. It's like being... Connected to another another We're human being,
0: getting highbrow. So so in the space.
1: Is, this is a really highbrow.
0: As you saying, the space of like four minutes here, maybe we got to Martin Buber, <laughs> we got to D. Winneker Who was, was he? I think he was a Donald. pediatrician, not a psychiatrist. He was, he was a pediatrician who had who, who was, was analyzed by analyzed Anna by Freud. Melanie
1: Klein. Oh, Melanie Klein. Okay, and yep. then and then. Another one after the, after Melanie. Climate. So we should
0: throw in some other big names here, just for we could talk about Victorine We could talk about um, how about the Nationals, McCann, or we could talk about the Nationals. about baseball, which is very
1: philosophical. But I want to talk about something a bit more kind of serious. In my last, well, actually, uh, three weeks, four weeks, I guess my my dog, who's almost fifteen, who's my BFF, he's de- definitely my my best friend, um, was diagnosed with lymphoma. Um, and it was amazing because we took him or I took him to get his, his vaccination on a Saturday. And that Wednesday, right after that, his lymph nodes, like he, I, we took him to the vet because he was acting a little weird and his vet examined him and he had these huge lymph nodes that just exploded. So that the good news is, is that dogs, um, are, pretty responsive to chemotherapy, and they don't lose their hair like humans and, do. And can
0: I just point out the other part of the good news here? I, I, I'm very sorry. I know how much you love bear. And my dog passed away this too. That, that way it, also. From lymphoma, right? Yeah, <clears> yeah. <throat> and my first dog, uh, you know, I had as, a, as an adult. But this is like really a, a privilege that we have, you know, by virtue of our socioeconomic status that we can afford to give our dogs chemotherapy. I mean, think about that. It's, uh, it's
1: it's it's outrageous. I mean, It yeah. it, 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 it it's um,
0: yes. It, so it, so, and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with doing it. It's just like I've talked to some of my uh, friends about this, and they're like, "Are you kidding me? You, you're you're going to spend that kind of money on cancer treatment for your dog?" And it it is a tough. You know, it's not the easiest choice. So there's so. I adore bear and bear. What you said, bear's prognosis is like a good. Well, he's, he, the prognosis is is actually the.
1: the average life expectancy is about 18 months. So he's almost 15 and he'll maybe 16 and a half. Um, so um, a, a good year and a half. But you know, it, it, the interesting thing and the thing that kind of moved me the most is, is whenever he gets Vin Christen, which is a chemotherapy agent, they get four of them. Um, he, this is the second time he just loses his appetite and for like three days and he just doesn't eat. So last night I went out and I bought you know a rotisserie chicken, but I put it in his dog bowl and he wouldn't touch it. He just kind of like... But then when I put it on my plate and I was watching the the game and I would kind of take some off of the plate and feed him by hand, he was just kind of... He was eating it. Yeah, I trusts you. It's a really sweet story. Well, it's also... It's not his food. He, you know, dogs like something... That they think
0: is somebody else's. And well, not just anybody else's. No, if they were a stranger, they who wouldn't eat it. It was you handing him the you food. Probably that's probably true. It was so the most it was important a, person in his life. Yeah. So well,
1: anyway, it's um it's bittersweet, but you know, and we've written a
0: lot about they're supposed to die before us. That's the way it's yeah, designed. Pets. So yeah.
1: Anyway, let's talk about another <laughs> sad topic, but an interesting one, and that is is that there've been some reports that um. Uh, Gen Z and millennials, but we'll focus on Generation Z. You didn't define them. Uh, age range. Yeah, it's uh, seven to twenty-two, I believe. I so, think so. Yeah, yeah. And and um, uh, they are reported to be the loneliest. Well, the millennials and Gen Z are reported to be the loneliest generation of of
0: any part of the population. Since we've been studying this, we should be clear about this. Yeah. Like it was probably pretty lonely in the 12th century, but, 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 you know,
1: yeah, but it's, what's, what's, what's so striking about this is that, you know, everybody jumps to one conclusion. Well, they used to, I mean, digital media, you know, it's making people detached, whatever. I I don't, I I think that the people who've actually looked at it seriously um, have said it's much more complicated than that. But the the interesting and important thing is, is that if in fact it's true, why in this day and age with so many gifts and especially in the United States and pleasures and capabilities and offerings and opportunities, are these kids feeling so lonely? What, what do you think? Um,
0: how, how do we even wrap so, our heads around that? So so I know I there's a... There's two things you're asking me here, because I know what the literature has suggested, but I also know kind of what my gut sense is, and they don't always line up. Well, let's look I, at the literature first, and then our guts. So, so the literature says that even though uh, young people uh, think that they're communicating through these modalities of, of digital media, usually social media platforms, they're not communicating with the same depth that... Uh, people communicated with before these modalities existed so this kind of fundamental human need for nuanced connection that happens not just in letters on an iphone for example in a text but through watching people's facial expressions you know all it's it's kind of an old argument at this point even though it's only a few years old we're not doing that even though we evolved to need that and now we've replaced it in a matter literally of a decade with this high-speed connection, which doesn't give you time to sort of process or to be nuanced in your processing mm-hmm. or to be nuanced even in your communications, but but then others have argued that actually, for the
1: reason why people, one other reason that some of the researchers have noted that it, it's it's not just social media is because sometimes the social media actually helps people stay connected. So 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 the right. the, 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 the 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 rapid fire and the instantaneous connection would one would think. Um, help people not to be lonely because you're, you know, you're,
0: you're, you know, you're in touch with your friends. Unless that rapid fire communication has prevented you from getting comfortable with being alone, which is very different from being lonely. That's right. Right. Like, like you've, maybe sometimes you have to wait for a response. Maybe like, like, and, and this is something that I, that I find, this is where my kind of personal views don't always line up with the literature I think it's very possible that the generation that was born with this technology and will come of age with this technology won't have to adapt at all to it. It just always they were was born there. With, yeah, right. it was it was just part of the world. They're digital natives. I think they'll well, they're digital natives in the truest sense. We've been using that term for a I while. know, but
1: but they are the, they are truly digital yeah. natives. They I didn't think, just learn it when they were I young. I think
0: it's possible they might be less lonely. It, possible than the, you know, in large numbers than the current research suggests for two reasons. One is that they it's awfully hard to undo evolution, right? There's there's 100,000-plus years of evolution. There's 25 years of this uh, new digital world. So the idea that we would suddenly undo it, I think, is is unlikely. I think it would throw us for a loop, and that could explain the earlier loneliness. But I think the current people who have come of age with this thing have found a way to still connect in that nuanced way that we know our brains really crave. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is the instruments we use to measure things like loneliness. And I admit not to being familiar with these other yep. than at a very high altitude level. I'm not sure that those are the correct instruments to be using, given how much the world has changed. Right. Right. So we might even be defining with, being with somebody in a different
1: way. Well, one thing we do know, and let, let, let me just give you my, my gut reaction, is that there are some uh, trends that have been defined among uh, teenagers and, 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 and young adults, college-age students, kids, uh, And that is, is that they are more stressed. Depression rates have increased. Anxiety is high. They're they're overscheduled because the emphasis on achievement, performance, image is so huge that you know kids these days have to not just do their schoolwork, not just do sports, not just be you know a leader, do community service, play the violin, play the Suzuki violin whatever. I mean, they are scheduled in ways that, um, uh, almost def- defy imagination. I mean, and, and you know, I, th- where's the time to just hang out or to even be alone? Because when they are alone, they have so many things to do and so many pressures on them that, um, and so many, and look what's coming through the digital media. They have to worry about perhaps climate change, me too, you know, never again. I mean, they, you know, the world isn't, unstable, insecure place, and how does that make them feel about the future? And then you bring in your point about the lack of nuanced conversation or the time to have nuanced conversations. So they have to process all of this stuff in the midst of their massive amounts of work. Um, That that would make me feel stressed
0: and depressed and anxious and lonely. It would make me feel angry more than... Well, that's well, a I, good but point. it takes up a lot of energy to be angry, mm-hmm. so I sometimes wonder if the default is to withdraw. Mm-hmm. I've talk- so it's a defense. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. defense against the anger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, Speak, speaking as a shrink. Yeah, yeah. No, you use up all this energy. You can't constantly stay in that mode for, or possibly stay in that constant mode for a long time, and so you retreat and you just decide, rather than being angry all the time, I'll just be kind of nothing all the time, or I'll, I'll interact less all the time. Mm-hmm. This is a hypothesis, right? Like, I, I have yeah. no idea if this is true, although there's some literature to support it. I, having talked to, a, uh, there's a selection bias, right? These are the folks who come to see us in our office, but also talking just to my, um, my own uh, children and their friends. They're kind of angry at us, at, at us meaning the adults. We, we've created a pretty big mess for them, and told them they have to fix it, uh, right. whether it's uh, the climate issues, which p- we can't even seem to agree on, uh, whether it's uh, political tribalism. I mean, we could make a very long list, and they're kind of sick of listening to us argue at each other at the extent to which our um, addiction to indignation fuels us. They're tired of that. They, they don't want that. They want answers. They don't want just ongoing indignation. Well, you know, and, and we betrayed them in a way
1: because they you know, kids rely on parents and adults and caregivers to kind of like create a world for them to thrive in. And uh, uh, what you're saying is we've created a world which is not a world, well, that's that's
0: hopeful necessarily. I I might be more of a Pollyanna than, than makes sense. I actually think it's more hopeful than we portray it as but I think we owe it to our kids to start giving them things they can do about these things. And I think in doing that, they will then come together, not just in the digital media platform, but also with each other. Small changes within their community can go a huge distance towards making things better and also decreasing that loneliness that we're seeing in all these studies. That's That's my hypothesis. No, I
1: think it's a great hypothesis. And if if you look back historically, as I said, you know, when when our, our president was elected and my daughter, who's, you know, um, a millennial, but, you know, when the young, was on the younger side of that, um, uh, she, um, she was tearful. And, and because she's an environmentalist, she works for the Department of Public Health and health tracking. She said everything that we've worked for is going to be going away. And my response, which was kind of spontaneous, but I think it's looking back on it, I think it probably captured something. The greatest social changes that have happened in our country have come out of adversity. If you think about it, whether it's, you know, Social Security or Medicare or um, uh, unions or um, civil rights, women's rights, you know, have come out
0: of of adversity. We've we've never been a particularly proactive nation. No. We're always reacting. We're reacting. Uh, And
1: now it's your turn to actually carry the torch and make it better.
0: And you have an opportunity, if you're willing, to take it on. Well, Yes, if you're willing to take it on, and we will help you, because, because, because we can't just leave you alone right. to do it. There's one other thing I want to say about right. the, the folks coming to age now. This, and this is really important, because this creates some of the dissonance, but also it could be a tool towards bringing people together. It's the most diverse population, uh, you know, whenever you talk about millennial yeah. generation, next generation. This is the most diverse ever, like ever, in, in the United States especially. Right that takes some adjusting to in a country that has for most of its existence been largely fairly homogeneous. It's, it's really changing. And, there's a lot of really interesting studies that show the extent to which we can embrace those changes actually decreases stress. doesn't increase stress. Some people think it's stressful, but it's actually only stressful when you act like we don't want those changes. If you can embrace those changes, there are these really cool studies that show that people become more immunocompetent, meaning they can fight off disease better, cortisol levels go down, they're less stressed. So these these qualities that some people associate with the etiology, the reasons for the loneliness, I actually think are the Things that actually we can turn on their head and use to make people feel more like they belong.
1: If we can all embrace differences and diversity and inclusion, which is part of what
0: we we, we need to do. I'll take it a, even a step further. If the adults to whom they are looking for guidance can figure out how to have a civilized conversation.
1: Well, we we demonstrate the tribalism that's that's demonstrated in in, in everything they they see around them. Yep. Is is counter, is counterproductive.
0: Yeah, no, a patient showed me a sign, a street sign. And he took a photo of it that was in my neighborhood, and it was an election sign, and it said, 2020, any functional adult. That was, <laughs> which was a great sign. And, and he, he thought it was funny, but he's also like, it's, yes, it's for real. Doesn't matter to me what party you are, I just want them <laughs> to behave like you tell me adults are supposed to behave. So I, if we can start to actually clean up our act, I think we can help the kids to feel more connected, and the young adults to feel more connected, and they won't feel quite as lonely because they won't feel quite as hopeless, yeah and I wonder, and I wonder how uh, lonely because
1: um, I, I, I haven't seen it in a study, but how lonely are the parents? Now, some of the millennials now, on the older side of the millennials are having some of these Gen Z kids. so if, if, if they're lonely and unhappy and feeling you know disenfranchised or you know withdrawn, what are they modeling? the younger Gen Z yeah. kids so it's really a part of all of us but I would love to see these kinds of studies in, in in other parts of the
0: population I'd love to see these kinds of studies in other parts of the world yeah too I'm curious how Europe how Africa how Asia is uh, matches up to what we're seeing here given that these technologic changes are, are present in yeah. every one of these parts of the world I, I worry I worry
1: that this is that this is a um, a global phenomenon. I mean th- that I, I, you know, the tribalism. I don't it, know that though. No, I haven't seen I that don't, data, well, so I just want
0: to be clear about yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, remember, it was has, wasn't long ago that the theological fanaticism was and still is um, hot and heavy and and ever present, and that's a, f- a form of tribalism, and we see it around the
0: world. But I, it just has to be looked at. So more, let me let me put you on the spot careful. then, as as we wind down. Um, let's say you were called by a. Um, I don't know, some task force, and they said, we have a problem. We've got lonely kids who are disengaging. How, what would you do, you know, because you're an expert in uh, both developmental psychology and in psychiatry, how can you help? What would you advise at a policy level to reverse this? The first thing I would do, which is
1: very practical, is I would cut the, um, the focus on teaching for the test and the, ima- and the length of the school day To the way they do it in some of the Scandinavian countries. We don't need more than three or three and a half hours of academics to get kids to learn things. And social emotional learning and time working, playing with each other, doing creative activities with each other, working towards activism in a communal way is both socially productive and a better use of the school day uh, than all the stuff we're pouring in. So from a policy standpoint, I would say we have the ability, at least in the United States, since they're mandated to go to
0: school until they're... Well, it depends what state. 16 in Massachusetts. 16 in Massachusetts.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, It gives us a fair amount of time from pre-K through 12 uh, to use the, the infrastructure of schools as you know, providing the kind of education. This is really about education and training and, 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 and interconnecting. So I think that would be the Low-hanging fruit here, and then the second thing I would want to do is I would want to have um, um, more forums for parents to be able to interact with each other and with their communities, to um, uh, engage with each other and, and not and not remain isolated.
0: Those sound like good. I would add one more thing to that. I would want to. Um, this is in keeping with the first thing you said. I would want to decrease the hyperscheduling. And one of the reasons I want to do that, besides the stress it creates for kids, is it would give the parents times with each other. Because the parents can't be all there for the kids because they're so busy dealing with the hyperscheduling of their own jobs as well as the kids' right. jobs. And so what the kids see modeled for them are actually some parents who are getting lonely too. So you'd want to make, these are obviously huge social changes, especially in our country, but we'd want to make small changes towards that. And the best way to do that is to start locally. Sounds great. So
1: um, as we wrap up, um, uh, what in the news, I mean, this is, a, this is an important topic. And again, if, if folks who are listening want to write in your thoughts or ideas, because nobody really knows the answers. We're Steve and I were brainstorming today, and this is an, Ongoing, as you said, most importantly, this is an evolution. um, uh, And we need to kind of take some control if we can. But before we sign off, we typically ask each other what in the news was this week was inspiring and exciting for you or depressing.
0: Um, (laughs) I'll go with inspiring. Uh, So I'm going to talk about football. Uh, I love the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, we know that if you like football, you'll know that Patrick Mahone's uh, tore his meniscus, so he's been out for a while. So the guy, the Chiefs have lost three straight. That's not fun for me. But the guy who's filling in, so they had a backup quarterback who got hurt in the preseason. So their backup quarterback is a high school teacher who got pulled from high school and from being a high school football coach and teaching, I think, history. He basically got a call right at the end of the preseason from Andy Reid, who said, hey, you want to come play pro football? And I was like, sure, I guess. I got this job teaching, but I'll put that on hold. (laughs) I think that's how the story goes. I'm getting it right. And he now is running this team. He's he's the quarterback on the field. He's living his dream. And I just think it's like a Disney movie, but better than a Disney movie because it's actually happening. And and he won one game, and he's lost two. But my goodness, to go from being in the high school classroom to being a quarterback of an NFL team – that's a pretty cool fairy tale story. That is. So. That,
1: that's a great story. Um, so for me, it's very hard to, to, um, uh, stay away from my addiction, which is, uh, politics. And I won't go there because, I mean, today is a big day. I mean, it's the day that, that, that the house is voting on the rules of, uh, the impeachment. Nope. They voted that they
0: might go forward. They that might, they will go forward. They will go forward inc- with, the ru- yes. with the rules, with the rules, if
1: the rules are accepted. Yeah. Um, uh, But I won't go there because uh, the big diversion for me last night and one of the few nights that I didn't watch the news was it was the last game of the World Series. And you know, um, the national, and I don't, I, you know, I followed the Red Sox and I used to follow the Phillies. Um, But you know, um, it, it was so cool to see, you know, the underdogs win. And, on and the road. On the road, four games on the road. Yeah, it's the only time it's ever happened. It's the only time it's ever happened. And, and the comeback kids, I mean, they, they came back. They were just having so much fun. And, and um, as one person said on the news I happened to listen to this morning, it was a wonderful diversion for Washington, given what Washington has been under, has been yeah. under siege. So it was just so cool. To see this, 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 and the first time in franchise history that they won the World Series. I yeah. Think the Senators won in, what, 1934 or something uh, like it that?
0: Yeah, it's 90-something years uh, since they last won. No, it was. it's great. I and mean, it was a different team. What did Giamatti say about baseball? <laughs> it, it breaks your heart. It's designed that way. Uh, this time it didn't. This no. time it was a series that looked like it was going to be a bummer of a series, and then it turned around and delivered it was an in amazing an amazing series. way. It was, no matter what team you're rooting for, you got to be okay with it. Yeah, it was then, fun.
1: So um, that's about it for this this episode. And um, uh, do let us know what you think about about this uh, topic of uh, loneliness. And um, see you next time. I'm Gene Breslin,
0: and I'm Steve Schlossman. Take care. Do something different.
1: You could sing. You could sing like "Teenage Weight." You could sing "Baba O'Reilly."
0: But they're not lonely in that song. That's a coming together song. Um, Only the lonely lonely can play.